is love. Good morning. It ain't cold up in here, is it? I see the fog. People singing. Psalms 95.1 says, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Good morning. What a wonderful and beautiful day. I know it's cold and it's cloudy and it's snowed, but it still is a wonderful and beautiful day that God has made. Amen? A great time where we can come and assemble and worship the rock of our salvation. Yeah? He is the rock of your salvation, right? And I hope that thus far you have worshipped really in spirit and truth. You know, Jesus said uh, in Matthew seven twenty four and 25, He says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. This morning I want to talk about the rock. Huh? I love the sound of that. The rock. The rock of my salvation. The rock of your salvation. You know, you try to hit a rock, it hurts, don't it? I want to talk about this rock that uh, everybody that is a Christian should have their foundation built on. Amen? The one that we should have our trust in. Amen? If you would, turn with me to the Gospel according to John, chapter 5. John, chapter 5, verses 1 through 18 is where we'll be this morning. And we're going to talk about the rock. We're going to talk about the man, Jesus We're working our way through uh, the miracles of Jesus. And this morning, I'd like to look at the miracle of the uh, man healed at the pool of Bethesda. Let's read. After this, John chapter 5, verses 1 through 18. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and the Jews went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In this lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up water. Then whoever stepped in first, after the stirring of the water, was made well of whatever disease he had. So here's Jesus coming into Jerusalem. They're having a feast. And what's so awesome about Jesus is he could have went into the city and sat down and went anywhere he wanted to go. But where does he go? (laughs) To Bethesda. To a pool. You know, like a fountain, a wishing well. With five porches 
where sick, blind, lame, hurting people were at. That's where Jesus went. You know, Bethesda, that, that word in Hebrew, it means the house of mercy or the flowing water. This was where people that were hurting and struggling would go and maybe have a chance to be healed. You know, it makes me think about like uh, American Idol. You know that show, the, the grand finale or the final seasons? This I don't know much about it. I ain't even going to lie. <clears throat> Better not lie, right? <laughs> but I mean, the line is so long for those people when they go and try and have a chance to sing or, or make their claim that they're, fa- that they're a great singer or a star. And they're all hoping for that one shot. You know, that's kind of how this pool was. Let's keep reading. Verse 5. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity, 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? So here's a man who's had something wrong, an infirmity, it doesn't really say, and he hasn't, doesn't really say how long he had been there. But he's had this infirmity for 38 years. And Jesus, here he comes up to him and he says, Do you want to be made well? Look at verse 7. The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me in the pool. When the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Jesus asks him if he wants to be made well, and the man replies, I don't have anybody to help me get into the pool. And if I do try to get into this pool, somebody always beats me to it. You know, this man was admitting that he wanted to be made well. He wanted to be made well. But he couldn't get there. He couldn't get there on his own. And no one would help him. Have you ever in your life, in your life, tried and tried and tried to do the right thing? You tried to do what was right. And it always seemed like it never would work out. Christian or non-Christian? How does that make you feel? It'd make me discouraged. Have you ever been discouraged in your life? Brother and sister, are you sitting here today discouraged? Have you done what you thought you could do that was the best thing for you to do and nothing came out of it? I'm trying to do the right thing. I've I've done all these good things and, and it's still not working out. This morning I want to ask the question, are you discouraged? 
Think about this man's life for a minute. 38 years, something was wrong with him to the point that he thought, I'm going to go to this pool and I'm going to hang around and try to get some type of mercy. The water's going to turn at some point and I'm going to be able to get in this water and, and get made right. You know, at first he was probably uh, really excited maybe about it. You know, he may have thought, well, uh, this will be, I can go over here and I'll, get, I'll finally get in. One day I'll get over there in time. But he never could. And you can tell from his answer. He says, sir, I have no one, no man to put me in the pool when the water's stirred, but while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Do we as Christians sometimes in our walk, even though we're doing the right thing and maybe trying to help somebody and they just don't seem to get it, they just aren't doing what you think they may need to be doing and it discourages you. You know, I looked up, uh, I love the phones now because Google just immediately give you a definition. I looked up the definition of discouragement. Now listen to this. A loss of confidence or a loss of enthusiasm. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, have we lost our confidence? Have we lost our enthusiasm? If we as Christians lose our confidence or our enthusiasm for Jesus, for the rock, what happens to the church? If we as members of the body of Christ become discouraged, discouraged, what happens to our light? You know, the one that should be shining all the time, that city on a hill. As Christians, we understand that we all at some point in time become discouraged. But if we look at this story, we can see some things that can help pull us out of the trap of discouragement. Because really and truly, discouragement is a trap, if you think about it. You know, it puts you in the mind frame uh, that nothing that I do is good enough. It don't work out. I've tried it, I've tried it, and it don't work. And because of that, you lose your confidence. You lose your enthusiasm for the kingdom. You know, I was going to say something, but I'm just going to wait. I want to talk about three ways that we can help ourselves get out of the trap of discouragement. Number one, we can pull ourselves out of the trap of discouragement when we realize what Jesus has given us. Look at verse 8. 
Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. Can you believe that? What a miracle. Here's a man who's been hurting, struggling. But despite all that, and, and despite the answer that, that he gives Jesus, Jesus did something for him. He gave him a free gift. He healed him. 1 Peter 2.24 says, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, us brothers and sisters, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Amen. Aren't you glad that you've been healed if you're a Christian here today? Just as a man in the story was healed, we as Christians, when we obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are also healed from our infirmities, <laughs> our shortcomings, our sin, our things that separate us from, from God. If you're here this morning and you are discouraged, let me encourage you to remember this. Remember what Jesus did for you. He did something that nobody else could do. I love y'all. And you know what? I would do anything for y'all except maybe die for you. Let's just be real. I would try to do that. I absolutely would say, Carrie, I love you, man, and I'm just going to die for you because I love you so much. But when it came time to it and I had the chance to back out, I may try to wiggle out of it. But Jesus didn't. Romans 5, 6 through 8, and we've read this. It's been a recent reading. For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely, for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, for 38 years, this man didn't have peace. But Jesus gave him something for free. He fixed his infirmity. Just like this man, before we became a Christian, we were in our sins and didn't have peace. And then Jesus gave us something for free. Eternal life through him. Are you here today and you are in the trap of discouragement? Are you down? Are you out? Are you struggling to bring yourself back up and pick yourself back up? Remember what Jesus gave you. You remember how it felt when you obeyed the gospel? You remember how it felt when you realized that you truly were a child of God? 
You remember that feeling? Remember that feeling. Remember how you knew that you were forgiven of your sins. Hold fast to that feeling when you're discouraged, when you feel like things aren't uh, going the way that you need them to go. Number two, we can pull ourselves out of the trap of discouragement when we don't listen to the naysayers. You know, the, the haters, or in the Old Testament, the scoffers. Look at verses 9 through 13. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. The Jews were there. The Jews therefore said to him who was cured, It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. He answered them, He who made me well said to me, Take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. Jesus told the man to get up and walk. And he believed. And guess what? He got up and walked. He was obedient. You know, that teaching is all through the Bible. Believe and do it. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. It's the same principle all through the Bible. And here we see it. He tells him to rise up, take up your bed and walk. He believes it and he does it. The the day that he was healed on was the Sabbath. And skip verse 14 and let's go to 15 and 18. We'll come back to 14 in just a minute. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. For this reason the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now and I have been working. Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath but also said to God that God was his father making himself equal with God. The Jews tell this man who has just been healed, just been healed, that he could not carry his bed on the Sabbath. (laughs) Think about that. These are the religious folk. They don't even acknowledge. (laughs) They don't even acknowledge that he'd been healed. They just wanted to condemn him as fast as they could. Boy, I fall short in that sometimes, huh? I'll raise my hand on that. When you are discouraged, you have got to Surround yourself 
and, and it was talked about in Danny's class. I guess my wife stole my notes because she's the one who said it. Maybe not stole them. Looked at them. Sorry, buddy. You have got to surround yourself with positive Christian people. Amen? Huh? If you don't, what happens? You get worldly or my opinion type answers. And what does that do to a person that's discouraged? It doesn't bring you up. It just spirals you further down, don't it? Hebrews 10.24 And let us consider one another in order to do what? To stir up love and good works. I want to love you and I want to stir you to do the right thing. Are you hurting? Are you struggling? Hey, I want to love you more. I want to check on you more. I want to help you do whatever the good things that you want to do. I love this, Proverbs 27, 9. It says, ointment and perfume delight the heart. Boy, I love good smelling perfume. I love it when Erin comes out of the bathroom and she smells good, you know. I love that smell. Men, do y'all love that? And sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. By hearty counsel. I want to help you do the right thing. I want to be around people that are going to tell me uh, positive things. Now, I'm not saying that I want to surround myself with people that are only going to give me the good things. I want people that are going to be real with me. But when they're real with me, they're going to love me to direct me in the right direction. Not just be a hater. I want to repeat this. Think about the man. Many of them probably knew him. They knew he had been there where he was at. And the first comment that the people say, the Jews, is it's not lawful to carry your bed. And I'm not saying to not tell him that. But there's no acknowledgement of what has just happened to this man. I don't want to be like that. Sometimes I am guilty of that. You know, people, people are struggling that you may not know about. And the way that you talk to them and the way that you interact with them can either bring them down or can bring them up. When we are in the trap of discouragement, and we are trying to find a way to get out of this, you understand, i got to get out of this. I'm discouraged. I've lost my enthusiasm for, for, for Christianity. I've lost my confidence to tell somebody about Jesus. We need to realize 
what Jesus did for you. Remember that. But not only that, surround yourself seriously with people that are going to be positive, that are going to be positive for the gospel, that are going to be positive for Christianity. Which brings me to my final point. We can pull ourselves out of the trap of discouragement when we realize what the Lord has in store for us. Jesus had slipped off amongst the crowd because he's uh, fixing to deal with the issue of healing on the Sabbath. You know, the rest of this chapter from verse 19 to the end of the chapter, uh, he deals with this uh, healing on the Sabbath. You know, he, he's really doing two things in this miracle. One, he is uh, bringing this discouraged man from discouragement to victory, but he's also fixing to deal with uh, people who were more worried about themselves than they were worried about the Lord. But I want you to pay attention to what he says to this man. Look at verse 14. Remember, Jesus slips away, and then here he finds him in the temple later on, and he comes back, and here's what he says. He says, Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See? See? You've been made well. You know it. You know you're better. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. He tells this man, you have been made well. Go and sin no more, lest something worse happens to you. So what Jesus is telling the man, and also what he's telling us is that when you are in the trap of discouragement and you have focused your mind back on what Jesus has really done for you, now your mission should be focused on going and sinning no more. You remember... He says, go sin no more. Why? Because he sees and understands the full potential of you. John 10.10 Jesus says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. (laughs) But the rock Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Amen? God knows how awesome and productive you personally can be for the kingdom. For the kingdom. He knows you. Jesus tells this man, at one time you were down and discouraged. But now you have been made well. Go 
and have a full and abundant life. Christian, if you're down and out, remember what Jesus wants for you. I'm not up here just preaching a joyful lesson, feel-good lesson, but really, that's what God wants for you. That's really what He wants for your life. He wants you to have a full and abundant life. That's why He gives us these commands. You know, I don't know, I may have told this story, I may not have, but I'm just going to tell it anyway and I'll tell it real quick. Uh, The preacher at Creve Hall, we were in class and he said he used to play uh, the trumpet for his band in California. And one of the highlights that he had was he was able to go uh, to the Rose Bowl. He said it was awesome. He said the problem was I was the trumpet player and the only thing that I could see was the guy in front of me and the people beside me. That's all I could see. I couldn't see anything else. He said, but there was this helicopter that was above. And this helicopter could see the end of it and the beginning of it. He could see the whole deal. Brothers and sisters, we are the trumpet player in life. And guess who's the helicopter? (laughs) God. Huh? He knows exactly about your life. He knows exactly how it's going to end up and He knows exactly how it started. But what He's done for all of us is given us His Word and He's given us these commandments to follow to be successful, to have a full and abundant life. You know, uh, So many times in our Christianity, we, we focus on the sin. And, and I've talked kind of about this before, but we focus on, well, you know I'm going to sin, so it's just inevitable that I'll sin. And yeah, I know that God will forgive me, and that's okay. But see, Jesus doesn't want you to have that mind frame. The mind frame that Jesus commands this man is go and sin no more. Why do I have to sin? Why do I want to sin? Why do I have to think about sin anymore? Why don't I think about the things that I know that are going to be pleasing to God? Why don't I do the things that are pleasing to God? Why don't I fix my mind, surround my uh, group of people around me that are thinking the same thing? And it all goes back to the beginning. Remembering what Jesus did for us. Huh? If you are here and you are discouraged, let me encourage you with this. The Lord loves you. And the Lord has given you a way to have a full and abundant life. And it all began with us who have obeyed the gospel. And if you are down and out, Christian, remember that. If you are hanging around, uh, even if you're hanging around brothers and sisters that are not positive, that are bringing you down on negative talk, separate yourself from them. Find people who are wanting to do God's will. 
And remember that He wants you to have that full and abundant life. And you know at the end of that full and abundant life comes what? Everlasting life. With Him forever and ever. The lives that we live and the pattern that we take uh, through our lives will not only affect us personally, but will affect everyone around us. So my encouragement and my hope for this lesson is that we understand that while we get discouraged, our hope is in Jesus and nobody else. And if you're here today and you are struggling with discouragement, if you are struggling with the way that your life is going, you've lost your confidence, you're not enthused about even coming to church to worship with the body, come up here. Ask for the prayers of the saints. The elders will talk to you, encourage you. But if you are here today and you are not a child of God and you are discouraged, I'll give you some hope. He came to this earth for you to live. But in order to live, you've got to have faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And the Word of God tells all of us that Jesus came to die for our sins because the the penalty for sin was death. But He came and He died and He was buried and He was resurrected for us. And if you believe that, then you also uh, must believe that you need to repent. To repent means to turn from your old ways, to turn from that life that you've been living and turn to God and be able to confess in front of men that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And by doing that, you can be baptized, immersed in water for the remission of your sins. And you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit which is a pledge, an inheritance for heaven one day. And then, my brothers and sisters, as you well know, if you're here today and you uh, are not a Christian and you, you may be wanting to do this, that you've got to live that faithful life until death. But if you need to Get out of discouragement. If you need to get out of sorrow and you need to be confident and enthusiastic about the blessed gospel of Jesus Christ, you can do it right now. As together we stand and as we sing.